Welcome, everybody, to the fourth episode of the OTH podcast. I'm Zach, or ZachF13 on Reddit. Bob says yet on Flea Flicker. And this week on the podcast, I'm going to be sitting down with Jeremy, um, better known to all of you in the old-time hockey world as SPRX97. But before I get to that segment, I wanted to run through something that we had done in the message boards one of the years, two of the years maybe, um, and it seems like it got missed out on this year, but I, I didn't want to let it go entirely by the wayside, which is some recognition for some of the best names, most creative names, funniest names uh, that teams have in the league uh, across the board. So since we didn't have anything where uh, people were voting on this democratically, I'm just going to throw out a few that really struck my fancy. That way you get to hear a little bit about what's going on in some of the other leagues as well. So uh, there's a little lackluster in the top leagues. I think for D1, I, I probably favor Hotline Kling the most. You know, uh, Drake's got the Canadian tie-in. John Klingberg there, great player. He's uh, he's on my team, so a little bias there. I'll go Hotline Kling. D2, um, I, you know, my sense of humor. Carlson sucks anyway. Uh, just the, the bitter Senators fans that... Um, are so sad, so sad with the state of affairs up there. Even though they've had a pretty fun team, they lose in fun ways this season. But now getting into the D3s where uh, everyone's got to earn their stripes and people have a little bit more creativity. Maybe they're not wed to the same name that they've been using for year after year after year. Um, you know, we all like the Pimpinate Parises, but it's the same name every year, so that's not going to make a list like this. So in Iserman division, we got Why Not Zoiderberg. That's a good one. You know, we, we all like Futurama around here. Uh, we got Bitches Be Crazy from Yager. Um, Conneria, which is the defense burning sensation in Lemieux. Uh, there's Drunk Shenanigans, which the name's not so great, but it's just it's beautifully paired with a, a picture of Alexander Ovechkin's offseason. That's in the Dion division. Uh, McKinnon, your girl, Mackinon, your girl, uh, from the Howe division. So, so some good representation there in D3. And finally, down into the D4s, you got Berger on the grill. And, you know, I, I like these little play on words for, for NHL player last names. That's in the Bork division. Sagan Genesis is another one in Orr. Um, very simple, beautiful simplicity of hashtag Melnick out in Lidstrom division, uh, sending a message that Eugene Melnick will never hear because uh, he doesn't live in, in the continental North America even. He's, he's, he's not linked into it. Leave the gun, take the Toffoli's. Got a nice Godfather reference there in Niedermeyer division. Neuvigan will give you up in Chelios division. You know, D4's got some creativity. Um, I'm rooting for all of those teams, all those teams that made me have a little bit of a laugh. Um, good for you. I, I hope you move up in the divisions after this year. Uh, Pronger had, had a few good ones. Uh, I really liked Grice, my Ajo, but the winner in that division has to be Wapa's Papa with the logo of, uh, Gritty. Gritty being Wapa's Papa, apparently. 
and then the, the leech division i i don't think i understood like a, a single name in in there there's like fingering the couch uh leech division's weird that's that's my takeaway leech division very very weird but with that all said um those are some of my thoughts on the funny names but let's get to a very interesting man himself uh that's jeremy my interview here with him uh, sprx 97 am with jeremy uh also known as sprx 97 um i'll start with that what what is the sprx 97 handle if you don't mind my asking yeah so uh sprx was actually my gamer tag in super smash brothers melee where you could only have four characters and i played pikachu so it was supposed to be sparks i played in some tournaments in high school because I absolutely love that game. It's probably my favorite game of all time. And then oh, the 9-7. Nice. 9-7 was my number. I played a lot of hockey, too. I played since I was five. I picked 97 because of Jeremy Roenick, who was the only Jeremy in the NHL and still is. Or I guess he's not in the NHL anymore, but I do not think there's another Jeremy since then. So people often think that 97 is my birth year. So I get by being five years younger than I actually am also. Nice. Well, yeah, actually, now that you bring it up, I can't think of any other uh, other Jeremys in the league, really. Um, I mean, 97 uh, now, obviously, super associated with Connor McDavid, which is the birth year. But, uh, yeah, still a pretty cool hockey number to have in there. Yeah, it's great Great seeing McDavid take the number to a whole nother level. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you you and him both, because you're you're up in Gretzky this year, and you've been in Gretzky before, um, so it's not like foreign terrain for you, and you're you're holding your own. You're off to a very respectable four and three start so far at the time of recording this. Um, how's the season been treating you so far? It's been good. I am uh, I'm either first or second in points four, and there's kind of two of us with about a sixty to eighty point lead on the rest of the league. So I generally aim for the highest points score in my league and figure the wins will take care of themselves. Uh, you, you can't account for the randomness of fantasy hockey and scheduling and bye weeks and injuries. So if you have the most points for, on average, you're going to win more than half your weeks and be able to make playoffs or whatever your goal is. Oh, interesting. So I, I don't know if you listened to the um, the interview I did with uh, WAPA, but it sounds like actually kind of a polar opposite strategy for you where it's less concerned with like the minutia of the day to day, week to week game planning and more that, you know, you'll you'll get to the wins and loss records you want to be at um, over the course of a season. And it'll take care of itself if you're just, you know, piling on the points collectively over the year. Actually, I actually think it's a pretty similar point of view because part of piling on the points is effectively using your lineup and your streaming to not have any players on the bench. I know I was pretty annoyed at Saturday this week where uh, we had 30 teams in action and I left three guys on my bench because they were guys I couldn't drop for streamers and not much I can do. And those three guys all had points and it was like a 30 points on my bench. Luckily, I still think I'm going to win. But on most weeks, I do everything I can to make sure I don't waste a lineup spot or don't waste a bench spot on the guy who's playing and make sure that 
I get all my streams in and all the extra points. The, the day-to-day stuff is what leads to the higher PF. Yeah, no, and yeah, this this week is that uh, that Thanksgiving week that uh, NHL really can't seem to get right with scheduling because they don't put any games on Thanksgiving Day, and then they stack them on the days, you know, like before and after, let the teams um, take care of their travel and whatnot. So, um, so have you found any like really successful players through streaming them over the course of the season that you picked up thinking they might just be kind of a plug and play player for that week that have, have stayed on your, on your team for longer stretches. I guess the two that I've added for, I guess I've had them both for about a week now and I plan on holding them a bit longer. Uh, Travis Konechny, who I actually drafted and then dropped when he was off the first line and got fortunate enough to pick him back up again. He's kind of, picked up the pace to what I expected when he was drafted. And then Riley Smith, uh, some, someone dropped the uh, first line, first power play guy from Vegas. And he's, he's not going to do what he did last year. Vegas as a team is prone to regress some this year, but I'm expecting him to be a lot better than a 2.7 or whatever it was when I picked him up. Yeah, those are a couple good, uh, good ads. Um, and how'd you feel about your draft this year? I was pretty happy with my draft. Uh, I got, I felt I got some early round steals. I believe I got, I got Tavares late seconds. I got Mark Shifley in the fourth and I got Giordano in the ninth and Giordano with Dougie Hamilton out of there. He's back on the first power play and doing what he did three years ago. I think it was where he was actually one of the top fantasy defensemen. Yeah, that Flames uh, offense is really like taken off too, and so you get to benefit from you. You, you know, you have the beneficiary there, the first power play uh, defenseman, um, picking up some nice points off that as well. Yeah, yeah the young one guys of, really have blossomed and are doing a really good job. Yeah, I, so when I looked when I looked at the construction of your team and like how you drafted the, the you know, the first like five, six rounds it all seems like they were just absolutely dead on. Like, you know, they, the guys have like played up to their expectations or beyond them with obviously with Tavares, who you mentioned, Jamie Ben on a really productive, um, stars first line, Philip Forsberg, Mark Shifley, and then Rantanen, obviously, who's had an incredible, incredible start. And then, and then as I was looking through it, uh, the, the goalies stuck out as out to me is that they were guys that, you know, really have have struggled to start the season, at least to say, you know, Jake Allen with the Blues is, is for anyone who's listening. That's like a St. Louis fan, really kind of frustrated coming out of the gate. And Jacob Markstrom, he's gotten a lot of the starts, but um, has has the goaltending been something on your team that uh, has like lived up to your expectations of where you drafted them at or has been um, a letdown just through the early, early weeks. Expectations in the sense that I do not trust goalies. I cannot analyze them. I struggle to draft good goalies no matter when in the draft I go for them. So I kind of just leave them as an afterthought. I actually wish I had not taken Allen in the eighth round and had gone with Markstrom, Elliott, and some other guy all in double digit rounds. Yeah, goalies are voodoo. They really are from year to year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I my, my general goalie strategy is to draft goalies who will start for their team. Uh, 
in general, if the goalie starts, they're going to get points more nights than not, even if it's a bad team. Uh, like it's Vancouver. Vancouver's kind of okay this year. Even if it's a bad team like Vancouver, the goalies are going to get starts, get saves. Craig Anderson's been fantastic this year because he's faced 45 shots a night. Right. And um, as far as like, uh, do you do you stream with goalies as well, or do you leave the streaming mostly to the skaters? I stream goalies occasionally. Usually, I try to avoid them because you get some big negative nights. My opponent last night streamed Calvin Picard for a negative five, which might be the worst Oof. night I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, even UC Saros, who's supposed to be one of the good backups, had a pretty big negative night earlier this week. Uh, go- goalies are very boom-bust streamers. If I'm down by 10-plus points and I need a, a big game from someone, streaming a goalie might be worth the risk. Other than that, my streamers, uh, I stream mostly based on ice time. I think the players who are getting the best deployment and the most ice time have more opportunities to score, more opportunities to rack up peripherals. Today, my streamer is Travis Najak, who has been averaging 17 to 20 minutes a game. He also happens to play both today and tomorrow, so it's a one stream for two days worth of games. Now, I, I know that you are a fan of uh, the Washington Capitals, and looking at your team, you don't have any Washington Capitals on your team. Is that, uh, is that deliberate? It's not. Unfortunately, all of the caps went really early this year, or the fantasy-relevant ones. Ovechkin, first or second overall pick, I had him had a fourth ra- uh, fourth overall draft pick, so couldn't get Ovechkin. Uh, Holtby, goalie in the early rounds, no chance. Carlson went pretty early, although he might be outperforming his draft stock even still. And yeah, just didn't didn't work out this year to have him. I do have both Ovechkin and Carlson in the keeper league which I'm very happy about because I feel like every time the Caps score on a power play, I'm getting 10-plus points out of it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, talk, talk a little bit about the Keeper League because it's not something that I'm involved in, and I really don't know much about it. So how many years has that been going on, and, and how's that been? This is the third year of the Keeper League. It's uh, a bunch of the guys who are always in Discord just decide to make a Keeper League one year. There actually is a second Keeper League with some other – some other people, and we always compare the two keeper leagues and make fun of each other because one of the keeper leagues has some really, really wacky trades, and the other one, people are mind, people are less trade happy. I think that's partially because of me. I'm not much of a trader myself. I'm pretty happy with the team I drafted there. I ended up, I think I started that keeper league. My first three rounds in the initial year were Ovechkin, Kucherov, Forsberg. And then I got Pasternak late the year he broke out. So I've got those four as my four of my seven keepers. And it's kind of hard to want to trade any of those guys when they're yeah. all top 25 picks. Yeah, Still no, that makes sense. Yet. <laughs> Who's been winning? Do you know? The first year, I'm going to get this wrong. So let me pull up the league. Sure. I think Consini won the first year. No, Tweedledon won the first year. Second year, Noden won. And then Consini's already always had one of the good teams. I've had one of the good teams. Uh, 
Minnesota's really come up strong. He took over a team the sec the off season between the first and second season, and it was just a bad team where the owner didn't make many moves. And now I think he's in second place this year and has made a ton of really good trades. Nice. That's good to make it more competitive. All all those names are so familiar. Like I, you know, just over the years, you see them constantly um, on the boards at the top of the of the rankings. Um, yeah, it's almost all D one and D two players. Looking at the names here, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know know about everyone, but I, I think at least ten or twelve of the people are in D one or D two for OTH. Okay, so you do have you do have some Capitals players. Then I take it back, and you have no problem keeping them on your team and uh, in in fantasy and mixing the world of real life rooting interests and fantasy. No, no issue with that. Honestly, <laughs> the only time I have an issue is when my goalie's playing against the Caps. I always root for a one nothing overtime win for the Caps. Yeah, are you from the uh, the DC metro area? Yes, I am. I grew up there. Actually, my dad and I had cap season tickets for eight or so years, uh, partial share with some people I played with, got, got in on those before they drafted Ovechkin, like between the 98 cup run and the Ovechkin draft, and uh-huh. they were super cheap. We were, we were 10 rows up from center ice, lower bowl, and wow. it was, I don't know how much the tickets cost originally, but they ended up being really, really nice tickets that we got nice prices because we were season ticket holders for so long. That's awesome. I, I had yeah somewhat similar experience when I was much younger and, and I would go to the games with my dad um, to the Florida Panthers games, which I'm sure you can imagine there were some nice deals on and we're like mm, 20, 30 rows up center ice. Um, so a lot of my like fondness for the team and for the sport comes from, from watching the games like that. Um, but you're, fan? Still? Yeah, yeah, still a Panthers fan. Having a good year this year. They got a lot of exciting young players. They do. Um, They do, and, like, Mike Hoffman's just been a great pickup for absolutely, you know, nothing that we had to really give away. We have players in the system. It's just, you know, our goaltending is frustrating. Luongo keeps going down. Um, He's, like, we need him to win games. And Vinny Trocek just broke his ankle the other night. So it feels like... Yeah, yeah. The the fan base um is a little a little frustrated by the team and kind of wants some shakeups. It's always like we're we're that team that feels close to getting into the playoffs but then misses out and then doesn't do anything about it cuz we feel like we're close. Um but those those young those young guys, the Barkovs, the Huberdos, they've been in the league now for longer than you realize, like 6 7 years. Um and it's kind of the time that you like want them to start making the next step. I mean, at least making the playoffs and competing a bit more consistently. For sure. Oh, you're you're not in the DC metro area anymore. How long ago did you move away? Where are you now? I moved four years ago. I moved out to Seattle for work. I absolutely love the Seattle area. Get all the hiking and skiing outside, and there's actually quite a bit of hockey up here because. So many of the big companies in Seattle hire Canadians from Vancouver or a lot of the Canadian universities. So there's a huge adult hockey league, a huge hockey fan base. The Seattle team sold out, I think it was 32,000 season tickets 
or something like the, the people at the end i got my season tickets 10 10 minutes into the season ticket sale and wow, I'm this is for the uh, expansion the expansion yeah. team yeah so I, I have season tickets reserved for me and a group of friends we'll split them up and pick which games we want to go to but we like 2000th in line or something where <laughs> we'll get tickets but they might not be our first choice of location and there will be many people who will be on a waiting list to start that is that's awesome. I yeah, I'm looking forward to the team there. I mean, obviously there's not been a basketball team which is uh, the most competitive um sport for like attention in a city because they have such similar uh schedules, you know, starting at the same time ending uh the same time of the year. Um and Seattle has that rivalry already kind of built in with Vancouver from MLS, right? With the Sounders and the Whitecaps. Yeah, there's a pretty big it's a kind of a, a trifecta rivalry with Portland, Seattle, and Vancouver. So obviously Portland doesn't have an NHL team, but the Vancouver-Seattle rivalry will fit in perfectly. They'll have to realign the divisions a bit to make sure we play each other all the time. But I, I definitely look forward to that and would totally make the trip up to Vancouver to see a Seattle game. I've been meaning to make it up to Vancouver for a Caps game, but each of the last two years... The Caps played Vancouver like the Saturday before Halloween or something when I already had things planned by the time I looked at the schedule. Now, is it possible that they might select a name for this Seattle team that is just so goofy you want to return your season tickets? I've seen some 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 sock eyes, Seattle sock eyes out there. Uh the one the one name I do not think I can stand is probably the one that we're gonna pick, which is the Metropolitans. I know there's You think they're gonna go with Metro? I think so. That it sounds like that's what the ownership group is into. Uh, I'm not not a fan of it. Also just dislike the New York Mets baseball team being from DC. So there's some bad memories associated with that name. I would love one of the animal-related names, the sockeyes or the steelheads for fish-related could could get a, a good-looking mascot. I'm a fan of the Kraken, which is kind of Reddit's pet pet name that they decided on. It was on <laughs> it was on the original list they released like a year ago, and Reddit uh -huh. kind of latched onto it with Unleash the Kraken and Kraken Rum and all sorts of shenanigans that could go <laughs> on there. I don't think they'll pick that. Now, the one good thing that would probably come about if they did pick the name of the Metropolitans is they might readjust the division names so that there's not the Metropolitan Division anymore in the East because those names just don't make any sense. And some of the teams that are in the Metropolitan, like, uh, what is it, Carolina is in the Metropolitan so. Division. It's, it's ridiculous, but... Yeah, the division names don't make much sense. I, I also am... It drives me nuts that there's 31 teams now. Just get yeah. us... 32nd team sounds like the Seattle vote is early December. So we should know in a couple weeks whether or not they're granting the, the team. I don't see any reason they won't. Yeah. It's been looking pretty good so far, at least from an outsider perspective. Um, 
So, but but so back back to uh, OTH a little bit though, because I w- I want to pick your brain on a few things. You're you're one of the sort of founding members in a way. You were like pretty involved from the very first season, right? Correct. So, how did you first hear about? It? I mean, this is going back a while now, but what do you remember about how you first came across it, got to become involved, um, some of those like early foundational decisions? So what I remember is I found it on the fantasy hockey subreddit where I used to lurk for advice and have since realized it's a terrible place to get advice. <laughs> but the first year, which was the half season of the, the lockout, I was not really a, I was a founding member in the sense that I was one of the hundred or so people that found the league that year, but I wasn't super involved that year. The way I got involved was I guess, backstory, the first year there was someone who did these weekly weekend review type posts where you probably see them on the subreddit that the bot posts now. It's just who had the highest score in each division, what was the closest matchup of the week, so on and so forth. That person actually did it via an Excel spreadsheet. Going into the second year, they made a post that they were getting super busy with their degree and wasn't, weren't going to have time to do those sort of posts. So I took them over even though I was also busy with my degree. I sat in the back of my 9 a.m. class doing these every Monday <laughs> morning. And that, after a while, got tired of doing it in Excel and went into the Python scraping site, scraping Flea Flicker, storing it all, making an automated Reddit post. It was kind of just a, a side project for a computer programmer. And that ended up building out a pretty large infrastructure that, I've since brought other people on to help me maintain because it got to be a bit too much. Who who else helps you uh, maintain it? We'll give them a little bit of a shout out. Yeah, uh, so currently our tech team is myself, Beryl, and Coyle have done a lot of work. Uh, Coyle's uh-huh. done a lot of the spreadsheet type stuff. Beryl's helping me write some, uh, we're trying to write some logins so that we can just kind of do signups through the OTH website and it'll automatically know your Reddit name and your Flea Flicker name, verify that what division you're supposed to be in through a, a pre, pre-generated list of D1 and D2 members, and then just send out the invite automatically. It would save our other mods a lot of time because registration is the single most difficult thing the mods do this year. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I remember I was actually chatting a little bit with uh, Next Level Fantasy around the the time that um, he was dealing with the registration. And he also uh, manages, I think, like Sultan of Stats and uh, the the basketball one, um, Reddit Can't Jump or, or whatever it is for their similar fantasies. And he was just like, I, I don't have time to sleep right now. Um, yeah, but you also... So you, uh, he also does the, he's a moderator of the fantasy baseball subreddit, which I am also. So there's, there's that stuff. And I believe NLF does like freelance, freelance fantasy writing. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a he's lot. Like involved in fantasy as more of a career than any of us are. And, and do you, so the, you mentioned the, the website. Did you create the website or did you create that with some other people? I created it from scratch. 
Very cool. And was that so? You have a bit of a develop, like a software or web development background. Then is that what you do for your career as well? Yeah, I work for Microsoft, so one of the many big Seattle tech companies. Web development is actually not in my career path or anything I learned in school directly, but it was kind of something I wanted to pick up on the side and understand how websites were made as opposed to creating programs from scratch. And uh, I went to the website the other day in, in, in prep for this interview, and it looked like I couldn't find the bounties. What happened to the bounties that used to be up there? I think I still have the the list of images for the bounties. I got tired of manually checking whether or not someone had accomplished <laughs> them <laughs> because the website at this point is 100% automated. It, I have a, a script that checks Flea Flicker every minute, I think, and just updates my database of all the scores and the website reads that whenever someone goes to it. But the bounties, I couldn't figure out a good way to automate them. So recently I've been kind of cleaning out anything that can't be automated from the website so that I don't have to do anything. It's kind of nice having having the thing running for months at a time without having to do anything on it. Sure. For those <laughs> people who are, who are listening in that, for, for those people who are listening in that might not um, have ever seen the bounties or just new and don't know what we're talking about. Um, at least a, a couple of years ago, you had these things, these bounties that were posted in like an old Western style of, uh, of some like tasks to accomplish. And I, I can't remember off the top of my head even what some of them were, which ones were accomplished, but it like it really captured the imagination of the OTH community when you first brought them out. Um, people having like these specific goals to to try and and reach. Yeah, I remember what one of them was. One of them was in a single season to draft the highest scoring forward defenseman and goalie. Right, right, right. That's a which, good one. Yeah, which some seasons you probably would need three first-round picks to do that. Other seasons, it's a matter of luck. Yeah. I feel like another one had to do with Wapa when he was, at one point, he was on a very long win streak. Might have been <laughs> first first one to beat him or first one to knock him out of the Wapa Cup or something. I right. Don't Honestly, I don't remember, but I, I probably still have those files somewhere on my server. Yeah. And all, all the bounties, I mean, it's funny, you, you could imagine in like the internet age where there, it's so easy with the anonymity to fall into like the ugliness of the internet culture and trolling and that the bounties were sort of like an ugly targeted thing, but they were all, they were all good natured. They were all fun. Um, yeah. I was hoping that people would start coming up with more. And for a while there was a bet board where I think it was two seasons ago, people in some of our draft threads or whatever started making bets about certain players with either Reddit flair or sending a Jersey to each other based on the results of either their fantasy teams or specific fantasy players. I know I lost one two years ago where I bet that Cam Talbot would not be a top five goalie. And believe it or mm -hmm. not, Cam Talbot was a top five goalie that year. <laughs> so I have a sucks at fantasy hockey player on the subreddit still. <laughs> No, Cam Talbot has awesome. not been anywhere close to a top five goalie since then. I no, no. Wrong season. Much, much to the chagrin of uh, all of Edmonton, I believe. Um, 
But so yeah, and, and you mentioned WAPA there, and you're active in in Discord. It sounds. Have you had like a lot of um, interactions with with WAPA? And generally, how do you how do you feel about WAPA? I find WAPA's character really annoying, which <laughs> I believe is basically what his goal is. So that's that. But when we get into actual discussions about hockey or fantasy, he's got better insights than just about anybody else in the Discord or on the subreddit. I actually really like the Discord because with all the arguments and debates about specific players or teams, whether you change your mind or not, in the heat of the argument, you really get a, a good view of how other people analyze fantasy players and see hockey. And it's, def it's definitely made me a better fantasy player, just being on the Discord and participating or listening to other people talk about hockey. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, in my conversation with, that I, with him that I had um, on the last episode, there was plenty of stuff that I learned that I just hadn't thought about. And I mean, truthfully, some of it is I'm too lazy to actually implement it in my, in my own fantasy play. Um, but with that said, is there, can I, can I rib you a little bit into giving up some, maybe some nuggets, some trade secrets that um, you've utilized that you haven't kind of haven't told, um, talked about extensively on the discord or haven't, uh, haven't heard discussed before by other people? Yeah. Like I mentioned before, I'm actually not a huge trader, but the one thing I find people in the lower divisions, especially doing quote wrong in trades is you have to figure out how you value an, an empty roster spot, whether it's a streaming spot or there's a specific guy you want to pick up. If you're trading two players for one, usually the person getting one player is actually going to win that trade because they are also getting the free roster slot to stream or to pick up the next young guy who ends up being a valid fantasy asset. So I, I've received offers before where it's like, I'm sending you two 3.5 players for a, for a 5.0 player. The, the trade's even. You're actually winning the trade because seven's greater than five. And in reality, it's seven is greater than five plus whatever you value the empty roster slot at, which... I usually value it a bit higher than most people because I think I've got four, four streaming spots right now. My team's a bit shallow. But at the very least, if you're using it to pick up the worst guy on waivers or the best guy on waivers, you're probably getting a 3.1, 3.2 type player, even if you aren't using that spot to stream. Right. I, I tend to agree with you. And the guys that you're picking up, even though they might be like a 3.1 or a 3.2 player you're usually streaming that spot looking for guys who are in the midst of hot streaks and you know sometimes it doesn't work out sometimes you're just chasing points but other times you're getting you're getting these players that are 3.1 or 3.2 players that are playing at a higher clip for the amount of time that you're owning them so yeah i i tend to agree especially on those two for one deals um that like the only time that they've really made sense to me when being offered two players for one of mine is if I have a specific need, like I'm just too shallow at 
defense and right wing, and I'm getting you know a solid D guy, a solid right winger, and I'm dispensing at a position where I'm like just too deep. I have too many centers, and you know I'm having to leave points on the bench because of it. Um, so sometimes it, it can work out in that way, but usually those two for ones, um, they're, they're pretty tough business to make work. Yeah. The way my, uh, my fantasy baseball league that I'm in with friends, we have a saying that, uh, four quarters does not equal a dollar dollar because we have one guy who will consistently try to trade the worst four players on his team for <laughs> player on another team. And there are some people that are dumb enough to take that trade sometimes. And it's, it's always causes a big fight in our group chat when Bob makes that type of trade. Yeah. I guess if you're listening in and you're in the lower leagues, a rule of thumb could be if you're being offered uh, more players than you're giving up, maybe think twice. It's probably, it's probably a deal that's not going to benefit you. Yeah. My, um, my, rule, of thumb, my rule of thumb in public leagues or less experienced leagues is that the person receiving the best player almost always wins the deal. Yeah, it's yeah, it's true. There's definitely right. a lot more a lot more nuance in in high level leagues. Like in, in D one, I D one and D two, I don't think that's always the case. In keeper leagues, throw that all out the window because you can balance it with picks and age matter, matters a lot more than it does in a one year league. But yeah, just something to keep in mind. Absolutely. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me in. Um, in this podcast this week and, and waking up uh, a few hours earlier than I had to uh, out on the West coast to do this and uh, good luck the rest of the season um, and good luck the rest of this week. I know you got a, a tense matchup that's going to be concluding after we finish wrapping on this podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Zach. Uh, great job with the podcast. I've loved listening to the first couple you've put out and I hope you continue to find people to interview for it. Yeah, yeah, thanks. And so I'm sure this this interview will, will help in the future. Hearing more voices from the community, I think, is is awesome and encourages other people to want to join in and just chat a little bit and and put put it out there. So uh, thanks again. So that'll do it for this week's podcast. Uh, as always, you can DM me at ZachF13 on Reddit. I hope you enjoyed the uh, the interview I had with Jeremy there. I'm really enjoying getting to do these interviews. I think it's way better than any kind of content that I could try and create and be entertaining on like a month-to-month basis with this. Um, so keep it coming. Uh, I, I like listening to you guys. Um, you're smart, and uh, you've, you've got some interesting takes on, on how to approach fantasy hockey in, in, in OTH. Um, so with that said, I, I'm thinking this will likely be the last podcast I release in 2018. So to everyone listening, uh, everyone out there, have a happy and safe new year. Celebrate whatever holiday is nearest to your heart in December. And as always, enjoy the outro music. Such a night. You're such a night.
imagine.